It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, October tenth, two thousand and thirteen. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Hey, Jacob. Great. Well, let me get a microphone over here. Yeah, that was help. Uh, yeah, yeah, great to be with you tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. Always look forward to our discussion. Hope we can say some things that will be an encouragement to us all and uh, help us have a greater uh, appreciation for and devotion to the things that are taught in the Word of God. We're looking forward to your help with that discussion tonight at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And if you're watching us live on the program tonight, uh, the, the the chat room to your right of your video window is open and ready for your comments there. Now, Jay, before we get into our study for tonight, I want to tell people about an upcoming event here at College View. Yes. It starts a week from Sunday, uh, a week from this coming Sunday, which will, and so that date would be October the 20th. 2013. We're going to begin a gospel meeting here at College View. Uh, it'll run from Sunday the 20th through Friday night the 25th. Uh, it'll be at our Let's see. Well, Sunday, 930 and 1030 in the morning and at 230, a singing and three o'clock in the afternoon, we'll have a worship service. So the Sunday afternoon evening times are slight, are different Slightly than different. usual. And then Monday through Friday at 7 p.m., we're going to have different gospel preachers from the Middle Tennessee area who are going to come and bring us uh, uh, some lessons. In fact, uh, I say Middle Tennessee. One of the preachers is actually from Alabama, northern North Alabama. So. Uh, we've got a number of good gospel preachers lined out who are going to be bringing messages from the Word of God. If you are within a driving distance of College View here in Columbia, we hope that you'll make effort to join us during that week. The 20th through the 25th is our gospel meeting here at College View. On Thursday night of that week, Jacob, uh, our guest speaker for the uh, preaching will be Kevin Maxey. Yes. Kevin Maxey preaches in Spring Hill, Tennessee. And then, as we always do during our gospel meetings, immediately after the services end, we'll be starting up the virtual Bible study, and Kevin will join us. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about the topic that he discussed in his sermon that night. Right now, I don't know what that is. He said he would advise me, so maybe uh, by this time next week we'll be able to let you know. But but we do know that Kevin Maxey, Lord willing, will be our guest on the virtual Bible study uh, on, I guess that would be the 24th on uh, October the 24th, Thursday night. All right. Uh, so you'll look forward to that at uh, 7 o'clock each evening, Monday through Friday and Sunday at 9.30 and at 2.30. Uh, you can participate uh, by attending that, and uh, it would be a great opportunity for you to find out more about us. Again, uh, our meeting coming up uh, August October 20th, 2013, Sunday through Friday. All right. On to tonight's discussion. All right. We've got a topic that we put out there today, as we always do, to our update list. About noon, we send out a message. Here's what we're going to talk about. We ask you some questions, start seeking feedback. We didn't get much feedback tonight, Jacob. And I don't know whether that means it was just a particularly busy day for lots of people or whether this may not be a controversial enough topic. seems like we can see a sort of a one-to-one correlation between 
uh, controversy and feedback on the virtual Bible study, which is not a bad thing. Uh, we and and we we're not afraid to deal with controversy, but sometimes we just sometimes deal, you don't need to be controversial. We don't always time. have to be controversial to make a, an important biblical point. Some I people think. may disagree with that, but uh, but anyway, uh, uh, we did not get much feedback. In fact, so far, only our friend Chris in Atlanta has sent us an, uh, a response. And uh, we've got several in the chat room, but they haven't started talking yet. So we need your feedback because we always think our program is better when you get involved. Here are the questions we sent out. We basically want to ask the question, do the ends justify the means? Now, there are a lot of people in the religious world. In fact, I would probably be inclined to say the vast majority of people in the religious world think that so long as something good results, then you can use any method that you want to get there. Yes. And people, a lot of people not only practice that in religion, but they practice that in their private lives as well. And so we want to know if the Bible supports that kind of thinking. Can we, can we do anything we want, any way we want, as long as the outcome is good by our estimation? Yeah. So we start out our questions this way. Number one, can Bible passage, uh, uh, cite Bible passages indicating that true obedience includes both means and ends? Yes. In other words, if we're going to obey God, we can't just be concerned with the outcome. We have to we have to be concerned about how we get there, and we'd like to know some Bible verses that you would use to to prove that point. Secondly, we want to talk about Bible examples that illustrate the principle. Uh, there's a number of Bible episodes, especially many in the Old Testament, that definitely illustrate that the ends do not justify the means, and it's always kind of refreshing to go through those and see that our conclusions are true based upon how God has historically dealt with people. Okay. And then, the last but not least, we want to go to some applications. Uh, we want to talk about how people might use ends justify the means reasoning in regards to certain things. And we'll see that their thinking is much flawed on things like abortion, euthanasia, sexual morality, gambling, lying. So those are moral issues. We want to talk about using that flawed logic in regards to worship, uh, church fundraising, carnal attractions to bring in more people, and support of human institutions to do the work God has given the church to do. Well, you know, I think, and that that part of the discussion is going to be important because I think we may, most people would probably agree with you on the first two points about ends justifying the means, in theory. Uh, I think you can make the point very uh, convincingly. When we get down to the applications, I think that's where it starts to break down, and it may break down in some of our applications, and so we want to look at those tonight. Okay, I think you're right. So let's start out with the first one, Jacob. What Bible passages might we use uh, to indicate that we have to obey God both in the methods and means that we employ and the ends that we we accomplish uh, in his work, uh, both means and ends are important. It's not just the ends. You know, it's not just the result. Uh, so many people think that just so long as it's, as the outcome is good. You know, one thing, before we even start with that, Jacob, one thing that I think needs to be pointed out is this question of what's good. You know, right. how, how do we define it's good? You know, uh, is, is that just up to us? Is that just sort of a subjective feeling? I think it's good. You know, I think I think this is a good thing that we're doing. I think look look at the good. I, I judge this is a good thing. 
that's that's very dangerous ground to be on. It is. Uh, Hitler thought it was a good thing uh, to annihilate what he believed were inferior races. And oh, look at the good we're doing. We're getting rid of inferior types of human beings, and we're going to be left with a master race, a superior race. That's a good thing. Yeah. No, in other words, he, he, he was basically arguing, well, sure, we're killing a lot of people, but look at the good that's going to come as a result of it. And so I'm just using that as an illustration to say it's very dangerous for us to subject, subjectively try to determine what is good. That's not up to us. Yes. In uh, uh, in Second Peter chapter three, Second Peter chapter three, verse sixteen, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Yeah. If it's a good work, God has given us the information to both identify that good work. And tell us how to get it done. Yeah, he didn't leave it up to us to decide what's good, and then yeah. go about trying to get it done. Well, he is the one who determines good. Your story about Hitler reminded me of a biblical example of someone doing the same. Uh, the Apostle Paul, back before he was the Apostle Paul, as Saul in Acts twenty-six verse nine, I've already thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary thought, to the name of Jesus. He thought uh-huh. I thought he said that this is yeah. what was good. He was he was doing he was, what he thought was good. Yeah, so, and he was being very diligent at that. So I, I think the first thing we want to really stress when we get into this discussion is we got to let God define good. Right. It's up to Him, not us, to decide what is a good outcome. Right. And okay. Now with that in in place, what are some Bible passages that show that both the means and the ends are important? One passage that comes to mind uh, very clearly is John 4, verse 24. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, the ends is we're worshiping God. The means is we've got to do it with spirit and in truth. A lot of people today say, well, as long as you worship God, that's all that matters. You call it, You can, In fact, you can call whatever you want worship, and I will, we'll say it's good. But God says how you get to that is what matters to him, spirit and in truth. So okay. ends and means. Good. I think that's right. How about Second John verse nine? Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. So you've got to abide in the doctrine, or you are without God. Right. If it's not something that's authorized in the doctrine of of Christ, then you you can't say, well, maybe it's not taught in the Bible, but man, look at the good that's coming from. It. Well, you're. You, you uh, have departed from God. You are without God if you are in that situation. All right. Another another passage along the lines uh, would be uh, Matthew uh, chapter 7, uh, verse, uh, verse uh, 21, beginning, I believe. Uh, uh, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. So these people were doing things. But they would say we're good in service of God. And God, Jesus is going to say to them, I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. So their means were not pleasing to God, and uh, therefore they weren't justified. So that, I think that's a classic example. and It always has kind of stunned me that Jesus is there describing a judgment day scene. And at judgment, 
these people are going to try to defend their good. They did good. Look at all the good things we did. Right, by their definition. And and Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you, ye workers of iniquity, or work, newer versions say workers of lawlessness. What they yep. did was, was not authorized. God didn't tell them to do it that yeah. way. Yeah. And so they will be lost. Yeah. I don't know that you could come up with a better passage than that. You know, I think a lot of people sort of look at uh, serving God as sort of like, uh, you know, you tell your kids to help you, you know, maybe clean up the living room or something like that. And they don't do a real good job of it, but they do some of it, you know, and you're just sort of happy that they helped. I think people think that serving God's that way. Well, God just sort of he will take whatever you can do. And he's not that particular about it. If you want to do it this way, then okay, go ahead. You know, he doesn't really care. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, in Matthew five, uh, shoot, Matthew fifteen, verse nine. In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. If the doctrine is not true, though, even though they're worshiping God or claiming to, in other words, they're trying to say the outcome's good. Look at the good we've done. No, n- not uh, if you're not following the doctrine of Christ. Tim wants to know if you have a new Bible. Does it look? Old on the screen, I wonder. Uh, it's I don't know. Not, definitely no. not new. No, it's it's not new. It's an oldie. All right, been around for a while. Okay. Uh, so uh, again, I think probably the verses can be multiplied, but you, you get the idea. Uh, Chris in Atlanta, who's has faithfully corresponded with us tonight, he offers two Bible verses, and I haven't really checked them out. I'll, I'll see if we can. Uh, he just gave us the scripture reference. Let's see if we can decipher what he has in mind. I know the one in Galatians, but this one in Romans 3, 7 and 8. For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie and to his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. So uh, I do see what, what Chris is talking about there. He said some people had slanderously reported that Paul was teaching let us do evil that good may come. That wasn't true. Paul said it was slanderous when people said that about him. Um, and then uh, over in chapter 6, he says a similar thing. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in, in sin that grace may abound? Grace is a good thing. Right. So if we sin more, then there's more grace. And so that's a good thing. The outcome is good. Right. God gets to, to shower more grace upon us. So we ought to just keep sinning. Yeah, and Paul is arguing against that, of course, in those passages. All right, and then uh, Chris also references Galatians one, uh, verses eight and nine. Galatians one, verse eight: Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have preached. We have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again: If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. And so uh, there is a curse for teaching something different. And, and, of course, if you're going to, in a way, teaching and means or methods are, are linked. Yes. You know, uh, so you wouldn't be doing something. In fact, in the very doing of it, you are teaching it. So let's say um, we've talked often before in the virtual Bible study about instrumental music. Right. Actually, if, if we practice instrumental music, we're teaching it too. Sure. And so there's a teaching of something different now, and, and 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 teaching is to instruct action. Yeah, uh, you're you're trying to evoke a response or an action as a result of your teaching. So, uh, if you don't teach, if you're teaching it the wrong way, you're going to get actions that are wrong. Yeah. So, in a sense, I'm teaching a different gospel, and I'm a, I'm 
accursed for it. Okay. So all of those are Bible verses that would say God cares both what what we do. He 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 cares about the outcome, but he cares about how we get there as well. We're gonna we're gonna look at some Bible examples that I think really illustrate that. We're gonna uh, we're up to break time, Jacob. But let's go to some Bible examples that definitely illustrate the principle. The end does not justify the means. We want to hear from you. The number to call is 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Do you remember when churches insisted on Bible authority for everything they did? Can you recall when church members always expected a thus saith the Lord? Remember when the church was well known for its book, chapter, and verse style of teaching and preaching? Are you upset because the church you're attending doesn't approach things this way anymore? Does it concern you that elders and preachers don't seem to care about Bible authority at all? The College View Church is still striving to do everything according to the New Testament pattern. If you're looking for a church like the one you remember from the past, please visit the College View Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. If your business keeps you so busy that you have no time for anything else, there must be something wrong with either you or with your business. Children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. Based with what is right, to leave it undone shows a lack of courage. Man, wish I'd said that. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back on the program tonight, thanking you for joining us on the program. The number to call is 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And the chat room to the right of your video window is open and ready for your comments there. We look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight as we talk about the ends and the means. Do the ends justify the means? Uh, can you take any means that you want? Does it uh, have to be God's way or the highway? What do you think? Let us know your thoughts on the program tonight. You know, one passage that we should also include in the discussion is Matthew 15, verse 9. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. There's another one. Yeah, I, I actually mentioned that one already. You did? Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. All right. Well, I should have joined the program earlier, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, w- there's something that we should comment about here, Jake, and that is that there is there is something called general authority. Yeah. Uh, there are things – there's specific authority and there's general authority. Um and maybe a really great illustration of that is the case of Noah in the Old Testament. Okay. You remember in Genesis chapter 6, verse 14, God told Noah, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Yes, he did. And so he specified gopher wood. Therefore, Moses was not left open to making any other judgments about that. Mm-hmm. When God said gopher wood, that's the only kind of wood that Noah could use and please God. Yes. But he didn't. In the instructions that are recorded there in Genesis 6, there's no indication that God gave any rules about how that wood would be cut and uh, harvested, how it would be hewn, how it would be transported to the building site or anything like that, which would have left discretion up to to Noah. And so Noah could have used several means to get the wood from the woods, from the forest, to where he was building the ark. He He could have put them on wagons. He could have skidded them with horses or oxen or you know, he could have floated them down a river. I mean, there are all kinds of means. Even in that primitive day, there were a number of different means that he could have used to transport. And so Noah was left up to his discretion when when the instructed thing was general. Okay. And so we should acknowledge that sometimes it is left up to our discretion, the means to use. 
But we better be careful that we're talking about something that's generally authorized uh, because if God has specified, then it's not up to us. So uh, in all this discussion about the ends of the means, we should acknowledge that sometimes the means are left up to us. But when God has stated the means, then he expects us to do it his way and not a different way. Now, some would say, oh, you're just being too picky here. But if the first point that we've shown is, in fact, valid, that the means do matter, then it does matter that we have authority for the things that we're doing. Yeah, when God gave a means or method, then he expects us to follow it. All right. Look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight, 877-381-4567. That caller may mean that we're having technical difficulties. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, but we'll see. Just keep on going. Okay. All right. Um, so we so give some examples that indicate that the ends do not justify an unscriptural means. Oh, we've got a point. All right, we've got a comment on the phone. It's, it does it's not, not mean, technical. It is not technical difficulties. Arthur's, surprise, got a new, surprise. Arthur's got a new computer. Arthur's the computer working tonight? Yeah. All right, good, good. Hey, so, Greg. Yes. Look, uh, you know, you it's a good verse, I think, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordered, All right. good works which God hath ordered that we should walk in them. All right, so God told us what to do and how to do it there exactly. uh, in, in Ephesians 2, verse 10. Right. Uh, I think you're exactly right, Arthur. Uh, that's a good verse to throw into the combination yeah. as well. And two, uh, I know really you're going to use First Samuel 15, aren't you? Yeah, we're going to that right now because we want to talk. Go ahead and tell us about that, Arthur, because that's that's right where we are. Give a, give a, here's I think a a super Bible example that shows the the ends does not justify the means. You're thinking of King Saul, right? Exactly right. Go ahead and, and spell that out a little bit, Arthur. Well, what it amounted to, and I've done closed my Bible, but what it amounted to, it just seemed like when. Uh, uh, Samuel had come to him, you know, and asked him what the people, the people, I think it's about three different times, the people, the people caused it. You know, he was a king. He was told what to do with Samuel, destroy all the Amakites, and he failed to do so. But he always blamed, and he said, oh, look, you know, more or less, look what all we can do with all of these sacrifices. Just look how great that would be. Well, that was not what God asked him to do. The and didn't justify the means. I think you're exactly. I think you're exactly right, Arthur. Uh, uh, for those of you who may not be as familiar with that story, in First Samuel 15, God had told King Saul, "Go and utterly destroy the the Amalekites," and that was a a punishment of God upon the Amalekites because of how they had mistreated the uh, Israelites in an earlier generation. And so he he, sent, he he commissions King Saul to go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. Well, they went, they won the battle, when, but when they came back, they, came, they were not supposed to take any spoil whatsoever. When they came back, they right. came back with spoil. They came back with the, the – they had spared the life of the king, and they had brought back a lot of animals. And so uh, Samuel, the prophet Samuel, went out to meet King Saul. And uh, King and um, Saul said, First Samuel fifteen thirteen, uh, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel says, What meaneth then the, this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? If you've done what you were told to do, how come I hear all these animals? What's up? Yeah. What's well, he going says, on? basically says, What up? And so <laughs> he said, What up? <laughs> yeah, I guess he did, in a way of speaking. And and, and so. 
in verse 21, here's how Saul tries to... Arthur, I think this is what you're talking about, especially... Yes. He said, the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. Notice, here's what they wanted. To sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And so Saul says... What we intend to do is have this huge sacrifice. Man. So, I mean, we're going to make sacrifices like which you have never seen we before. We're going to glorify God. Bigger and better than ever. Now, I, when I read that, of course, I'm pretty suspicious of Saul. I think you are too, uh, yeah. Arthur. Because yeah. Saul had already shown himself a dishonest man. But just uh, look at 22. That's right. But <laughs> that's right. If Even if it was true that uh, that's what they intended to do. Mm-hmm. Offer them all in sacrifice. Exactly. Verse 22, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. And so Samuel said, It, it don't matter if you do intend to sacrifice all those. God desires your obedience. The end does not justify the means. Arthur, I, I, I really don't know that there's a better Bible example of that than, than the one you cited there in 1 Samuel 15. And, you know, I've, I've hung on to that one because yeah. I thought that was one of the best. I think you're right. I think you're yeah, accurate. Arthur. All right. Thanks, Arthur. Appreciate yeah, your call. You. Anyway, Arthur, before you go, uh, we got one email from Chris here you might like to comment on. Uh, yeah. uh, Chris, yeah. he, he, he said, uh, we had, you asked for examples, and uh, he said the most powerful example I can think of is found in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23 that we mentioned we earlier. Already mentioned, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but many will claim they did good works, said the right things, and acted in a good way, but they did not obey God. Therefore, they will be condemned. But he goes on. Other examples include Uzzah touching the ark and David transporting the ark incorrectly in First Chronicles three verses five through ten. There's one. You know, they're, they're... Hey, let me tell you another one. Yeah. That uh, I run into just a little bit. Uh, uh, let me get over here where I can get a little bit of light. <clears throat> you know, you remember when uh, uh, it's Acts nineteen is where it is and where it was that these um, vagabond Jews, Stoics, took upon themselves. Uh, to um, call over the name of Jesus, you know, and, and uh, supposedly cast out devils, you know. They were trying to do it, you know, but the thing was, you know, they, uh, uh, what was it, the devil they, said, well, Paul, I know, Christ, I know, but who are you? Yeah. You know, look what happened to them. They didn't have authority to do that. So, again, another example of, of somebody attempting to do an unauthorized deed, exactly. do, doing something in a way that God had not, Commanded, and they were punished for it. Here's authority for it. Here's another one from Chris. Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus offering strange fire. That's in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. Now, they were offering sacrifice, so in the end, in the end, the animal gets sacrificed. Does it really matter what kind of fire you use? Yeah, in that case, didn't it? It certainly did. And and in verse 2 of Leviticus 10, there went out a fire from the Lord, and he devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And notice verse 3, when we don't think it matters, when we just do it whatever way we want, notice how God explains himself in verse 3, that Moses had said to Aaron, this is the Lord. Uh, this is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all people I will be glorified. When we don't do it the way God wants, we don't follow the means that God has instructed us, Monty, we just do it however we want. In effect, we're spitting in God's face and we're saying, God, it doesn't matter what you said and how you want it. We're going to do it our way and you'll be happy with the results because we think it's a good way to do it. Yeah, right. You know, uh, uh, an idea that comes to me on this ends justifying the means. David had the idea that he was going to build a temple for God and have the ark a, a permanent place in a nice building 
for it to, to reside in. And when he went and talked to Nathan the prophet, it's not like he was going to do it on his own. He went to get advice and counsel on it. And Nathan said, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. People want to improve on what God has said constantly today. But God came to Nathan and sent him back to David and said, when did I ever ask for that? Yeah. It's not, you had a good idea, let's go for it. It's, I didn't ask you for that. So if the end that David had in mind was improving the status and the place for the worship to take place, but that what the means that he wanted to do it by was not authorized and God was not accepting it. All right. All right, Arthur, thanks for the phone call. One more. Okay. No, I don't have much doubt about where that fire was to come to. You're talking about Nana and Abihu now. You're right. Number 16, verse 46, Moses said to Aaron, Take a sense and put fire thereon from off the altar and put incense and go quickly in the congregation. Oh, Arthur, now I'll tell you, that's just, that's just being a nitpicker. I mean, that's just, that's just not important. Where the fire came from is just not that big of a deal. Fire is fire, man. He told them where to get it and you must. That's right. In that example, I think, don't you think most people would say that's not that important? That's exactly right. But God thought it was important. Better believe it. That's right. just the way God is. That's right. All right. Thank you a lot. Yeah, thanks, Thank you, Arthur. I appreciate your call. Arthur doesn't use the chat room. He's an anti-chat roomer, but he well, does call. You know, I'm not a computer man, so whether Well, but you've got that new computer now, so you're going to have to you yeah, have to put it to work. Hey, but the phone calls are better, and so we appreciate that. There Arthur. you go. Thank All you right. for calling tonight. Thank you I, so much. All right. I got to back up uh, to that. We went quickly over one there that I think is also excellent. We're still waiting. Chat room is deathly quiet. Yes, it is. Uh, emails are not coming in. People must be doing something else tonight. But I do think this is a worthy discussion. Has I, the government shut down? Shut down the virtual Bible study? You think the internet? You think maybe the internet is starting it could to collapse? Be. I don't know. Maybe. Uh-huh. We may, yeah. Put your uh, helmet on. It could get. Uh, I want to back up to the case of Uzzah uh, when the when under the, the direction of King David they were going to move the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. Now. We remember how God God had instructed a means for transporting the covenant, yes. the, the Ark yeah, of the Covenant. Yeah, Chris mentioned this. There, there were rings in the four corners of the Ark. Rods or staves were passed through those rings, and yes. then they, it, the thing could be picked up without anyone touching. No one was ever to touch mm-hmm. the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't fall. They didn't do it that way. They put it up on a cart. Now, it, this was they put it on an ox cart, but it wasn't a disrespect. This was a new ox cart. This is not an ox cart that had been out on the it farm hauling manure uh, or whatever. On it, yeah. yeah. So uh, they were showing a degree of respect, and they were very joyous about it. They, it, was, it was a celebration. It was a great thing. Right. But it wasn't the way they they were they were doing something good. They thought. Yeah. Moving the uh, moving the Ark of the Covenant to a, to a, a more centralized place where more people could be involved in mm-hmm. uh, uh, relating to that Ark and mm-hmm. all, you could just list a long catalog of the good that they thought would come of moving this Ark of the Covenant. But they weren't doing it the way God said. When they got to that threshing floor, that rough place in the road, the the Ark wobbled and shook, and it looked like the Ark was Ark was going to fall off and be damaged. Uzzah reached up to touch it. Which in itself was surely a, a sincere thing. Oh, right. Yeah, right. We're saving the Ark of the yeah. Covenant. That gold dims pretty easily, doesn't it, Monty? It's a very soft metal. Yes. Yeah, so and it would have been a good thing. Don't you think it would have been a good thing to keep the Ark from falling off? Sure. The, yeah. But God struck him dead. And, again, a great example. The end does not justify the means. Uh, we're up to break time again, Jake. We are, sure enough. And, and so now I think we've established our point. When we get back, let's start talking about some applications. This is where the rubber meets the road. There we go. We may have, we may have succumbed. 
to the ends justify the means thinking and not realize it. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. We're going to get this week's bullet point. Get your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. A Christian college announced the search for a candidate to replace their retiring president. A review committee was appointed to set standards and call applicants for the job. The college newsletter published their candidate profile, describing the kind of man they desired for the job. Among other things, he needed to be, quote, recognized as a dedicated, active Christian, not an extremist. Unfortunately, the sentiments of this presidential search committee are becoming all too prevalent among God's people. We want Christianity that is watered down and non-offensive, so much so that a Christian could be, quote, recognized as dedicated and active, yet not be viewed as an extremist by anyone. That sounds incredible, doesn't it? Brethren, realize that faithful Christians have been viewed as extremists ever since the church began. After all, when a man is willing to lay down his life for a cause, that's extreme. But that is exactly what happened in the first century and many times since then, too. Would the Apostle Paul have been a suitable candidate for this college presidency? Apparently not, for he was certainly considered as an extremist. His faith and zeal caused him to be branded by unbelievers as a madman in Acts 26, verse 24, and a pestilent fellow, meaning troublemaker, and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, Acts 24, verse 5. Obviously, we need more men like Paul and fewer of the stripe desired by this college review committee. Unless we are somehow trying to be better than our Lord, we will have to accept the fact that our lives and our teaching will be offensive to those who are of the world. We need to stop trying to please men and be more determined to please God. Galatians 1 verse 10 says, For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Realize that the Lord is looking for extremists. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, this is Preston Jackson from Valdosta, Georgia, and you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we remind you, our gospel meeting begins October 20th, 2013. Uh, if you have any questions about that, any questions about what we believe or practice, we would welcome you to contact us at any time, questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about ends and means on the program tonight. Now, I, I want to reiterate something that we said earlier, Jacob, and that is that we understand that sometimes God does leave the methods or the means up to us. Yes. And this That would be in the realm of things that we describe as generally authorized. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, we're commanded to assemble, Hebrews 10.25. Yes. But we are, but, but the place of assembly is not specified. In fact, in the New Testament, we see saints meeting in several different kinds of facilities. They assembled to yeah. fulfill that command, but there's no specification as to where that assembly should take place. Therefore, it's left up to us yes. to come by the means by which we can assemble effectively. Right. Uh, so we understand that sometimes the, the the means are left up to us. But when we talk about the ends does not justify the means, we're talking about things that violate the instruction of God. Uh, 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 an almost ridiculous or extreme illustration of this might be uh, God wants the, the gospel to pre- be preached throughout the world. Yes. That takes money. That's Yes, it does. So I'm going to go out and rob a bank. Why not? To get money. Well, you so know, that I can send them. it to preachers who are preaching in distant lands. Think about the people that could be saved. 
think about the good that could be done. Right. So, you know, and everybody would say, well, of course not. Absolutely, because the, the robbing of the bank would be a violation of the will of God. Right. And so I think everybody at a very elementary level would, would agree with this concept. You can't use the end to justify the means. But when you get – if you back it up and don't use such a uh, – an extreme illustration, then people begin to have some problems with that. Let's talk about some. Let's talk about some moral issues. Okay. Uh, let's talk about abortion. Okay. To start with. That's certainly a hot button topic in the world today. Certainly in our country, anyway. I understand uh, that our Supreme Court is uh, in a new uh, session, and one of the things that they'll be talking about in this session is is abortion again. Really, again? Yeah. And I don't know what what tack they will take on. Of course, they've been all over the board. But they have definitely taken some extreme liberal uh, positions on abortion. And I would argue that, that both the Supreme Court and everyone else who tries to justify abortions is using in justifies the means kind of reasoning. Yes. Because here's here's a, a, a woman. Uh, uh, she doesn't want a baby right now. Yep. You know, maybe it's not a convenient time. Uh, maybe... Uh, um, the standard of living may suffer. Uh, yeah, she can't afford it right now or, you know, any number of things. We just don't want this baby right now. Yeah. And so because we think it would be better, you know, for the health of the mother, uh, for her financial well-being, for her future, not to be burdened with a child right now, then that's good. It's good to not put a burden on the mother. Right. And so let's kill the baby. Okay. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. well, don't you think that that's a, a pretty well, textbook like example of yeah. end justifies the means? And reasoning. your reasoning seems good. Yeah. But the ends are the problem. All right. Now, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Monty, you might comment on this. If I can kill a baby because they, they sort of are inconvenient uh, or cause a burden, if you can kill life at that end of the spectrum – how about old people? Well, why, know, why did you say Monty could help with that? Well, because Monty, Monty might be thinking about killing off some old oh, people. Oh, I thought you might have said, implied that Monty might be one of those no, people. No, no, he's oh, not okay. there okay, yet. Okay. Oh, well, quite often as someone gets older and we have to care for them, uh, just like we was referring to that child might be a burden on the mother, sometimes these old people are a burden for us. Maybe their health care costs us a lot of money or their mental state makes them difficult to deal with. Or things like that and so well they're kind of a burden to me and i really want to go on vacation and rather than than deal with this person so maybe we should just euthanize them somehow poison them or shoot them or however whatever our preferred method don't feed them. yeah don't feed them it's a lot of trouble fixing food for them so we're just not gonna we're gonna kill them off on that end too but if you can justify killing the one because of a lack of convenience, then the other one is equally justified. Yeah, I don't believe we can if make the, a If the ends justify the means, then the the end is I'm not burdened with a baby or I'm not burdened with an old relative. If the end is that I don't want to be burdened, if it justifies one, it justifies the other. You know, or a lot of times people use the excuse for an abortion. Well, we've done whatever kind of testing and this child is going to be badly deformed and, you know, not have a – a quality lifestyle or whatever that yeah. you however you want to yeah. phrase that well maybe this old person they're sick and infirm you know they're they've got to where they can't walk they're crippled and they're not having that quality lifestyle either so we can still kill them just the same i mean murder's murder or getting rid of an inconvenience or a lack of a quality of life 
it's all the same difference. Right, right. Uh, all right, uh, so I think we see a primary example. Most people would agree with this uh, that are listening tonight, that uh, the ends, that being maintain my quality of life where it is now, don't be burdened by an older relative or a young baby, the ends are I want to. I want my life to be better. I want freedom from these obligations. The means, though, are not authorized, and so we would we would see that. Most people are going to see that. Yeah, you, I mean, plenty of Bible verses. I don't suppose uh, we need to list a whole lot, but in Revelation twenty one eight, the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Yeah, I I, I think that the label murderer certainly would be fitting for those who would justify abortion or euthanasia. Uh, And again, I'm like you, Jacob. I think most, uh, well, I I don't know. I'm not sure we can say. I want to say that most people with any kind of religiosity about them at all Uh would say no abortion. But I don't think that's the case. I think that there are a lot of religious people in the United States today that would argue in favor of abortion. I think anybody who has Englishosity in them would think that religio- religiosity is not a word. No, that is a word. It is a word. Religiosity? Religious. Relig- now I can't even say it because you Religiosity? Religion. How about religion? Well, okay. <laughs> you know, when we think about that, it talked about murderers having that place in the, in the lake of fire. And a lot of people would say that abortion's not murder, that it's not really alive yet or whatever. Well, the process of abortion is killing something. If you can kill it, it had to have been alive. And since we're not talking about a cow or a dog, we're talking about a life that was in a human. It had to be human life. So it falls back down to it's murder. Let's look at uh, religiosity. Religiosity. Okay. That's what I said. But I want to look that one up. Uh, Chris says, for abortion, people justify that the fetus is not yet alive and that since the mother cannot afford the baby or is too young to have a baby, then it is only fair to the mother and child to end the pregnancy. This is flawed because it is still murder any way you look at it. If a murder, if mother is unable to care for the child, there are thousands of couples begging to adopt. Abortion is one of the most selfish crimes I can think of. Here's an example that Chris gives on the morality issue. He says another example is lying. We ask about that one. People justify, uh, oh, that's right, at the end of that. Go Uh, go ahead. Let's talk about it. People justify lying, uh, justify the lie because they do not want to hurt the other person's feelings. Lying is a sin. I see no exemptions to this rule in Scripture. All right. So, uh, you know, We've, we've used as an example before the Andy Griffith show where Andy often told right. lies to protect Barney's feelings. Right. Uh, and a lot of people would have no problem with that. But that is very much end justifies the means kind of mentality. The end is I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. And so the means by which I don't hurt their feelings is to tell a lie. Lying, all liars. We were just read Revelation 21, 8 that said all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, yep. which is the second death. God doesn't justify lying for any reason. Yeah, Monty, I've, you've probably been in business situations where lying would help save the business. And certainly you've got to provide for your family. Uh, you want, And maybe the business is doing a lot of good things in the community. But lying to save the business and to make uh, the business more profitable simply is not justified. In, in more than one place that I've worked, a supervisor or owner of the business has said, well, sometimes you got to lie when you're in business. And uh, I don't I don't understand where they come by that philosophy yet because, like we said, lying is lying and there's no excuse for it. But they say that. I've heard more than one person in an authority figure in a business say that. Okay. Real quickly, before we get to this uh, final break, Jacob, let's talk about sexual immorality. 
Boy, people can really be inventive with justifications for committing sexual sure. immorality. Sure. You know, uh, it's love, after all. Is, isn't love a good thing? Right. You know, and if there, if if two people are really in love, then how could it be wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, and besides that, you know, uh, a young young a young couple, for instance, they need to be together, even sexually active together, because right. they got to see if they're compatible with one another. You know, we wouldn't want them to get married and then find out that they can't get along whatsoever with one another. And so, you know, it's a good thing for them to sort of try that out before they make the full commitment in marriage. You know, the the result will be, of course, all the statistics prove otherwise. The results will be that they'll be more suited to one another and they'll and, and the long-term health of their relationship will be better. As I said, all the statistics prove otherwise. All the statistics prove that, that couples that cohabit together before they're married do not have a nearly as good a success rate in enduring marriages, but people would still use that as a justification. Absolutely. I think about uh, divorce and remarriage, you know, unscriptural marriages that end, in, end up in sexual immorality. And the justification is, well, God wants me to be happy. That's certainly, not in the Bible. Certainly, well, it's not, but that's the way we justify, right? Uh, well, the, the ends are our happiness, our fulfillment. Uh, we're not, we don't. God doesn't want us to be lonely. Doesn't want us to be sad. So then, therefore, the means to that ends must be okay. Well, I had a, a years ago. I had a preacher come to me. This preacher had left his wife and taken up with another woman, and I, and he sort of looked me up. I'd known him. In, in times past, and I think he looked me up to just just to see if, if he could sell his justification I, argument, and that's exactly what he said. God knows what I was going through in my marriage, mm. and God wants me to be happy. Wow! You know, so the end is I'm happy, and therefore it's got to be good, and God will be pleased. Mm. Of course, if you could, I want to tell you if you can use that argument for that, you can use that argument for anything. Uh, Hey, look in the chat room. Sarah has put in there religiosity. Yeah, I know. I just quality of being. I just looked it up. There, it is a word. You are right. I was wrong. All right. Yeah. All All right. right. Well, Well, we we I think we've got the idea that in in regards to moral issues, certainly the end does not justify the means. We we got to take one final break. When we get back, we're going to make the application to to our work. In the, in the church and, and our worship in the church and see that, I mean, the conclusion is still the same. The end doesn't justify the means. But we'll talk about some ways people try to mistakenly make that argument. Stay with us. We're going to talk about this and go to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Do you remember when churches taught the truth in a straightforward and direct way with no sugarcoating? Can you recall when homosexuality was plainly condemned and unscriptural divorce and remarriage was not tolerated? Can you think back to a time when you heard hard sermons on moral issues like dancing, immodest stress, and filthy movies? Do you long for a return to the kind of teaching and preaching that you heard 30 or 40 years ago? The College View Church is trying hard to maintain the same moral principles that have been associated with God's people throughout the ages. They want to hold the line against the drifting that is characterized in so many churches today. Come and see. Visit the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. More than half of Americans approve of spanking, a rate that's been steady since 1990. However, there are big regional differences in this regard. Among Southerners, 62% of parents spank their kids, 
but that drops to 41% in the rest of the country. That information is via ABC News. The Word of God says in Proverbs 13, verse 24, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And that explains why my son wanted to move north a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I never figured that out. Uh, the number to call is 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. We're talking about ends and means. Do the ends justify the means on the program tonight? Let's talk about our worship, Jacob. And in, spe- in specific, uh, I-, I might use the example of instrumental music. Mm-hmm. You know... Instrumental music, uh, special singing groups, choirs, quartets, and all that. Man, people really enjoy that. Yeah. I mean, that, that that people really feel good listening to a good quartet sing. Things, yeah, right. You know? uh, and they're, and they're and, encouraged. And instrumental music, yeah. people just have kind of grown to expect that. It's got a good message. And uh, and 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 by the way, if we if we're going to try to attract young people, yeah, we're, we're almost going to have to do that sort of thing, right? Because young people are just drawn to that, and if we don't have that sort of special music in the mm-hmm. church, we're we're just going to lose a lot of young people. That's mm-hmm. just all there is to it. So if we want people to feel good when they come to worship, and especially if we want to draw young people, now Jacob, surely you would not deny that both of those are good things: mm-hmm. right. Draw, drawing people, right. keeping our young people, right. And so I think we can have these special music events for those to to to, right. to 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 accomplish those things. Well, and people have different tastes, so we could have two different worship services. One we would use it and one we wouldn't. And everybody and, and would what do we call them now? Traditional and contemporary. Right. Why and not? so for you old fogies who don't like that sort of thing, we'll have a service for you. Right. We we'll usually have it earlier in the morning. You know, the the, the traditional worship service is at eight thirty. And the contemporary worship at 11, that's because you old folks, you get up early anyway. Right. And can we have refreshments during this? Yes, yes and you we can. can. Just, you can dress casual, and we'll call it something different. We won't call it, like, worship. We'll call it something sort of a, a praise gathering or something. Oh, right. Yeah, that sounds good. Right, or echoes or something, you know, sort of. Touchy-feely kind yeah, of. Yeah, sort of hip. Well, you get. we're obviously being... Uh, uh, Cynical there and sarcastic, and sarcastic, a little satire. But the idea, you get the idea, because that is what that is the way people are reasoning yeah. on this kind of subject. Uh, they think if the result is good and people like it, then it's okay to do it that way. Right. Disregarding completely what the New Testament teaches about music and worship. Uh, we've talked about instrumental music on the virtual Bible study plenty of times before. Passages like Ephesians 5:19, Colossians 3:16, are our authority for vocal music singing in New Testament worship. There is no authority for instrumental music. There's no authority for special music like uh, special groups like yeah. choirs or quartets right. or anything like that. And so, I don't deny that young people are drawn to this contemporary Christian rock music, right. Right. for instance. But that's not the justification to use it. It's just not authorized. Sure. We so, can see it in other things. You can see it in abortion. But why, you know, why, you know, why can't you see it in, in this? You know, we could draw big crowds, and we could draw a lot of young people right. if we paid everybody $500 to come to services on Sunday morning. Yeah. You know, but, money would come twice. <laughs> yeah. but the, I, I can use the money. <laughs> but the thing, obviously, people people would say no to that. But if you're saying... To do something that's not authorized to draw crowds to keep the young people, yeah. 
Then where's the limit on that? Right. If you can use special music, why can't I? Why can't I pay him to come? Right. Uh, if it's not authorized, it's not authorized. I actually heard somebody suggest that one time. Were they serious? Yeah. Well, that, that, that we should pay people to come. Did you do it? No. Okay. Well, but you know, I have heard of certain religious groups that did. You know, they they send a bus around to pick people up, and it's it's announced ahead of time that under the seat of under one of the bus seats will be a hundred dollar bill. Yeah. And so when they get the bus full of people, then they tell them you can reach under your seat to see, and somebody on the bus will get a hundred dollars for being on the bus. Well, they're basically paying people for coming to church. Yep. No, I like a good bribe. That's right. What about, well, along those same lines, what about some of these carnal attractions? Jacob, your favorite one that you have mentioned many times is the, the church in Nashville that has indoor fireworks yes. on the 4th of July. Yes. Oh, no, they, they have bull riding and rodeos in there. In Are they doing that now? Do they have yeah. bull riding now? Yeah, yeah I've heard I've, that same one advertised on the radio. They had a, a professional PBR, Professional Bull Riding yeah, Association, yeah sanctioned rodeo type thing in their worship and how they managed to get the bull ring in there and do all that, I don't know, but they got her done. The yeah. bull ring is one thing, the bull is something else. How do you get the bull in an auditorium without tearing the whole place up? That's well, what I'm saying. They had their ring built down there. Wow. I haven't been seeing their facilities, so I don't know how they accomplished it. But they actually had a genuine eight second ride the bull. But, but if you ask professional rodeo riders for part of their worship. Now to the point of our study tonight, if you were to ask those people upon what authority are you doing such things, almost certainly the answer you would get would be, look at all the good. Look at the crowd. Look at the get crowds. Before we can teach them. That's right. Look at the crowds we're getting. Look at all the good that's being done. Look at the young people that are being brought in. What would they be saying? Yeah. The end justifies the Yes. That's exactly what they would be saying. But you know what they're actually saying, I think, is that they that they are ashamed of the gospel and they don't believe that the yeah. gospel has power. Right. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto right. salvation. We've got to dress it up. But, and but they're they saying that, that we're smarter than God because we figured out a better way to get people saved than what God had. Right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, we need, a, we uh, need that, a rodeo clown to make the gospel look better. Someone mentioned an expression that has been used, and I think I've heard it too. Someone says, I would rather do good, even in a wrong way, than not to do anything at all. <laughs> and and so, uh, actually, in, in terms of logic, if you were studying that from a logical perspective, that's cons- that's called a false dilemma. Mm-hmm. That's right. In other words, we either got to do it this way or do nothing at all. Yeah. Well, that's not that's not true. That's not the only way to do something. Not the only. Is, that's not the only way to draw people with carnal appeals. That's right. The gospel has a drawing power if we use it. Yeah. And so they're saying we either have to use bull rides and indoor fireworks or do nothing at all. Yeah. And that's a false dilemma. Those are not the only two, two choices we have. It's being very narrow-minded. They're not expanding their self to see what the proper way to do thing and go about it the proper way. They've just got the way they want to do it, and my mind's so focused and closed that I can't see any other way. Yeah. All right. I think you're right. Um what about, uh, I asked the question, what about church fundraising? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of religious groups are raising funds in a, in a number of different ways. Uh, probably, you know, we understand, take up an offering when the church is assembled. But the authority for that is exclusively on Sunday, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. Many religious groups would say, we're going to take up an offering any day that we're together. Yeah. 
So that would be without authority, but they would say, well, we've got to have the money. It's a good thing to get the money to use sure. the money. Sure, sure. We but can't then function would, without the money. We can't keep the doors open. Right. But then they would go to other things, you know, uh, uh, church socials, ice, ice cream socials, they used to be called. Um, young people have a car wash. Uh, or maybe even engage in a full-fledged business operation. Yeah. You know, because we need the money. And if we get the money, that's a good thing. And yep. so the end justifies the means. When when the scriptures has said that, that there's exclusive pattern for how the church is to finance its work, and that is by the free will offering of the saints on the first day of the week. Chris says many will use the excuse, uh, the handy excuse of the Bible does not say we cannot raise money by, and you add in here what uh, they're doing. Uh, not all of God's expectations come in the form of thou shalt not or thou shalt. Some of the teachings from God's word is, are by example and inference. Exactly right. And, and along that same line, Chris, uh, just to say a little more about that, when God has specified how it's to be done, it excludes all other means. Okay. And then finally, what about uh, human institutions, uh, the support of human institutions to do the work of the church? Uh you know, we see more of that. We're seeing a lot more of that among churches of Christ, human institutions, uh, and also sponsoring churches uh, to do things, uh, especially in the realm of benevolence. Uh, th- there's a big organization in Nashville, Tennessee, not far from us, the Churches of Christ Relief Organization. Yes. Now, that's that is a human institution. It's got its own board of directors. It's not a church. Uh, it's 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 a a human institution with a board of directors, and they are soliciting and receiving funds from churches of Christ and also from individual Christians, but also from churches of Christ. And then that human institution is overseeing how that money is distributed and used. If there's a if there's some natural disaster, an earthquake or a hurricane, they'll send to that. Well, they say, look at the good we're doing. Yep. These people are, have suffered a, a, a cataclysmic disaster. They need help. Yep. And it's a good thing to get help to them, and therefore it is justified. Well, it's the unjustifies the means kind of reasoning. That organization is nowhere to be found in the Scripture, and the authority for supporting such from the church treasury is non-existent. And yet, some of our own brethren are justifying that by saying, Look at the good we're doing. Again, uh, we have to look at the authority. It does matter what God has said. Just because we may think the ends are good does not uh, mean that we can do anything that we want to to get to those ends. Now, we've talked about some pretty obvious and apparent uh, things here, Dad, but uh, the, the, the challenge for us all is to examine our thinking and our, our, and our behavior and make sure that we're not guilty of this. Because people, well-intentioned, Honest, sincere people have fallen for Satan's trap here in the things that we're talking about. The people that are doing the indoor fireworks and the bull riding, I believe they've got good intentions. They see something they think is good and they want to do that good. But they don't stop and check themselves and say, are the means justified? And we can very easily fall into that trap if we see something we think is good and we go about doing it the way that our human Think so's thinks is the right way to get to that so-called good. We can be totally out in left field and not uh, be have authority for the things that we're doing if we're not careful. I think you're right, Jacob. Monty, your thoughts before we conclude? Well, we still get back to we've got to examine what we're doing. And 
and and in the ways we're doing it. And just like God asked David, when did I ask for that? When did we need to look and see? Did God ask us to do things this way? Did He authorize us to do it this way? And like you said, we've got to examine ourselves and make sure we're functioning the way God has authorized and commanded us to do. All right, we have a meeting starting ten days from today, a week from this October, Sunday, October 20th. on October twentieth, and it'll run through the following Friday, the twenty fifth. Weeknight services are at 7 o'clock. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, if you're within a driving distance of Columbia, please come and join us for the virtual Bible. Or, uh, well, join us yeah. for the gospel meeting and for the virtual Bible study. You can be a live participant on that Thursday night. We'll have the virtual Bible study right at the conclusion of the of the preaching service uh, that night. All right. Thank you for your time tonight, Dad. Thanks, Jacob. Monty, thanks for being here and helping us get on the air. Thank you. And thank you for joining us on the program. I hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.